The Face of Latina Professionals propels women of color to reach their highest potential through education, community, and self-development. Join us as we come together to provide a platform for Latina voices to connect and be heard on the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today, I'm joined by recovery support specialist and domestic violence advocate, Melanie Hernandez. Melanie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. No, it is a pleasure. I, um, I've just been an honor getting to know you and the work you're doing. It's so commendable. But um, let's talk about where you're from originally. Where did you grow up? So I was born and raised here in Chicago, um, Logan Square, Humble Park. Um, that's where I was raised. And Latino-wise, how do you identify as Latina? What, uh, you know, what's your ethnic uh, Latina background? So both of my parents are Puerto Rican, um, and we're all black Puerto Ricans. Um, so yeah, but that's Puerto important Rican. to understand, though, because you know that's a lot of thing that you know most people just assume looking at your skin color they can judge, but it's mm-hmm. so far from the truth. I mean, you you're Afro Latina. Yeah, yep. I identify as black. <laughs> I tell people I'm black, um, but you know culturally. A lot of Puerto Rican culture. I right. was raised with, you know, Spanish-speaking grandparents. Um, a lot of Puerto Rican food, Puerto <laughs> Rican church. Um, I went to a Puerto Rican high school, Roberto Clemente in Humble Park. So, um, which is yeah, awesome. That's I was literally born right next door. Right. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing. And what was that like for you? I mean, from from I guess you know, seeing that it, my ignorance, right? I'm the other side. Of a white-looking Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. And the, what what was that like for you growing up um, in a place where other people who look like you are necessarily from the same place as you? Um, it was confusing. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I had African American friends who were kind of confused, you know, because I think um, I did grow up hearing that like you're not black, you're Puerto Rican. Really? Like there was a difference. Yeah. Wow. So I did grow up with kind of that like ingrained kind of racism from Latinos themselves. And I think I was confused because I had black friends who were like, no, you're black. <laughs> like, You're black. So I think it was, you know, oh, my so later teen years where I realized like what it means to be Afro-Latina really. So you weren't being told you weren't black from black people. It was black. You weren't black to Latinos. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I found like, but anyway, so how did that make you feel? I mean, what, what was that? I mean, obviously confused, right? But Definitely the confused. feelings. Um, I knew, I knew it was wrong. Hmm. Like I knew it was wrong. Um, I was always a child who like questioned things and thought about things in a way like, wait a minute. Um, but I just knew because I had friends who were black and like my dad was like darker than them. Hmm. And it's like, how are we not black? You know? Like, what does that even mean, right? Yeah. yeah like, how does that? Yeah. Um, but I knew there was a difference with, like, my cousins who were lighter skin. Um, sometimes we would get treated differently, you know? Our hair was different. Um, my sister has thicker hair than me. Um, but even my hair compared to my other cousins, it was like, you could just see the difference. For sure. You know? Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of words in, you know, that have to do with our food, like mofongo and stuff like that, that just sounds straight up African. And I knew that. And I remember thinking like, hmm, you know, it just kind of early on, I kind of knew that there was like some denial going on about like our ancestry and our roots. So that was kind of a big deal for me getting older, like to educate myself on where we come from. For sure. And And who am I? 
you know. All great questions, right? Mm -hmm. And who, or not who, but rather, how did that shape you? You know, how did that become part of your personality or just the way that you treat people in general? Well, I mean, I think I really got to see what it what it is to be, you know, just treated differently because of how you look. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know, made me sad a lot of the time, you know. Um, my mother was also, you know, somebody who was struggling with a lot of things, and she was also, you know, a woman of color. And um, I think that kind of played into, you know, trying to figure out, like, okay, what do I do about this? And, like actually learning to have pride in who I am because like I can't change who I am and I'm not going to right. so like this is what I look like this is who I am um and I'm also a contrarian in a sense <laughs> so if you tell me not to be happy to be black or you know you're not black yes I am yes I am good for you and I'm and I'm proud to be good you know for you. Yeah, <laughs> so, good for you. so that's just you know it is part of who I am and it's only part of who you are it's only a small part of who you are, right? For sure. A big part, of, though. A big part. Mm -hmm. I mean, from an appearance standpoint, mm -hmm. well, it, it, it could be everything, right? But as far as who you are, I mean, it's really, I see who you are as the work you're doing. And I think it speaks so much about you in terms of you know, just the person you are. Forget black, white, yellow, purple, mm -hmm. I mean, whatever. Um, it takes a special kind of person to do what you do. And while obviously the titles kind of say a little bit about what it is. I would love for you to share about, you know, what it is that you do in, in helping others kind of in your everyday uh, life. For sure. So I've been a domestic violence advocate for over four years now. Um, so basically anybody who's dealing with domestic violence um, and they need a resource, if, you know, they reach out to me, I help them with that. I've done, uh, I facilitate groups for women who go through domestic violence. I've also um, facilitated groups where men join as well um, because it is a problem for men and women. It's not just women. Um, so basically providing resources. Um, I've used my platform for that. I make videos about different subjects that have to do with domestic violence. I used to make like five minute, 10 minute videos about subjects, but now you know that people are like utilizing reels and things <laughs> like that, you know? It's like 12 seconds now, you gotta Right, I know, 30 seconds. I'm <laughs> Wait, trying to fit in everything like I have to a say. a half hour message in 10 seconds. Right, but it does, you know, people have sometimes a very short attention span and um, it has helped and it has reached a lot of people, you know, even though it's in shorter increments. Um, but yeah, that's what I do domestic violence wise. I, you know, we have an event coming up next week. It's free. Um, and we're talking about, you know, DV and sexual assault because April is sexual assault awareness month. Um, so that's coming up next week. And as far as recovery support, um, that's my, my day job. <laughs> so basically I work for a program called the living room and it is part of Rincon Family Services. And um, we help people who are going through a mental health crisis. So if you don't wanna go to the emergency room and you just need um, peer support, recovery support, you speak to somebody who has lived experience with either mental health issues or domestic violence or um, substance issues, and they help you with that. They also provide resources. So that's amazing. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, to be doing two things, and then not only that, but you're also involved in a food pantry, right? Yep. Tell yep. me about that a little bit. Um, every Friday, thirty-seven ten North Kedzie, we give out food. Um, we kind of go from produce, so there'll be big bags of vegetables one week. Then the next week, it'll be like dry foods. Um, you know, 
spaghetti, pasta sauce, um, cereal, you know, different things that people may need. A lot of the time we have miscellaneous stuff so they can take extra stuff. Um, and that's every Friday. So wow. that's become um, something that I'm really happy to be a part of because food insecurity in this city is a big deal as well. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And it's- I think people... Um, you know, don't realize how everything kind of intertwines, which is like if you are in a domestic violence relationship and you leave, then you don't have the means to, you know, get an apartment. You don't know where your food's coming from, you know, so everything kind of ties in. Then that's causing you stress. So now you're having some mental health stress issues. Um, so everything kind of ties in together. Yeah, so. I mean, that, I mean, obviously, if you're in a situation like that and, and you want out, but you don't see a way because of those things that you don't have access to or resources, mm-hmm. why would you leave, right? And and, yeah. and you get trapped. And I'm sure that's probably the narrative for most people, mm-hmm. if not all. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't mind sharing, how did you get involved with this? What's your relationship to DV? So um, it did stem from like my own personal experiences. So I was in a relationship that was very unhealthy and abusive. Um, and I was, you know, with this person for a while, I had a child and then, um, I got pregnant with my second child and there was an incident where it got really bad and I had to leave and I had nowhere to go. I mean, I did have my mother, but even, you know, my mother was being threatened. So then it becomes, you know, I'm putting other people in danger. Um, it feels like your fault, you know, um, I had no money. So I ended up in a DV shelter, a domestic violence shelter for women, Um, you know, a beautiful place called House of Good Shepherd um, here in Chicago and run by nuns. There was a lot of nuns (laughs) and I wasn't very religious at the time, but I got to see like how selfless they were. Um, You know, my caseworker was amazing. And I got to see how it was run for those four months. I was there for four months. Um, They helped me budget. You know, they helped me with my child. And I was pregnant. um, Helped me get to doctor's appointments. Um, I had court for, you know, this order of protection. They helped me with that. Let me know what to expect. So I got to see how everything run. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, it just kind of made sense that, like, this is what life's about. I couldn't see myself after that, like just working retail or just like seriously. Right like on, I knew yeah. I knew I needed money, right? So I'm gonna take whatever job. But I was never happy doing that. Like I knew I had to like okay, you helped me, now I have to like pass it on. I have wow. to help somebody else. And it just it ate at me all the time, you know, that I was like this was almost a decade ago. Yeah, this right? will like nine. You said nine years ago. You're yeah, my youngest. it was like 2012. Yeah. Yeah, so literally a decade mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Wow. Now at that time, were you not? Then I mean, was it, were you doing retail? Is that was that just? I was. Wow. Mm-hmm. So not even doing the things that you're doing now from a professional standpoint. No. You're, wow. So this really, you went in all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you when you made that decision? Was it an easy one because no. of really? <laughs> I I think um. My self-esteem was still like shattered and I really didn't have good self-esteem. So I didn't really believe in what I can do. Um, And I didn't see that. I didn't have good examples of seeing that. Like Like still a victim. Right. Like women coming out of something. You know what I mean? Um, And it, it was actually from a family friend where she was she was an engineer and she quit her engineering job to start a nonprofit. Um, But she was from Baltimore and 
she reached out to me and she said, you know, I've heard you talk a little bit about like what you went through. Because at that time I was, excuse me, I was kind of utilizing my platform to talk about, not my personal experiences, but I kind of would talk about what women go through, you know, as far as Like you wanted to help. Right. I just didn't know how. Right. But she saw it on Instagram and was kind of like, I think you would be a perfect fit for this nonprofit I'm trying to start. And I was scared like shitless. I was like... (laughs) Mm, I don't don't think I can do that. And she was like, no, you can. Like, she was the one who, her name's Tatiana Cooper, you know, just in case she hears this. I don't want her to think I'm not giving her props, but she definitely was the first one to be like, no, you're doing this. Like, I need you to talk to these high school girls. And yeah, so that was like my first introduction into like. Well, God bless Tatiana. For real. Wow. Yeah. Someone sees something like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, it's powerful. Another Afro-Latina. She's Afro-Cuban. Wow. Yeah. And it's what you needed, though, because in that feeling shattered, right, it, it's it's others that really pick you up, which is what you're doing mm-hmm. for others now. Exactly. And that's what I've learned. Like, it all comes from, like, passing the baton. Yeah. You know, and as women, that's so important because I think we get a bad rap for, like, being catty or being jealous of the other and gossip. And it's like, no, I feel like, you know, for like seven, eight years, I've run into like the most amazing women, you know, like they never stop impressing me. So it's like, thank God for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God for you as well. So thank you. And, and, you know, on that note, what, as far as the, the community itself, because, you know, we're here in the Face Latina Professionals uh, podcast, but it, it and this is just my personal experience growing up that the the call it machismo, call it whatever you want to call it, that it's cultural, right? And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it exists not just in the Latino culture, but is that where you're finding most of the women that you're helping? Or, or not just women, but, you know, the people, men included? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it mostly is Latina women in the city. But mm-hmm. when I use my platform, it's an array of different cultures. Um, so when I work here Outside in the of city, Chicago, like, right, gotcha, yeah. right. Um, and it really doesn't matter, like, their socioeconomic status. Like, I've had to help lawyers leave their boyfriend. And I, oh, sometimes I would even imagine it's probably more difficult when it's like at that call it whatever you want status level, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it's like keeping up appearances or, exactly. I don't know, right? Like, yeah. There's, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a tie to that. Now, what for you has been the thing that has helped you overcome um yeah, all those things that you struggled with that, that now you're becoming the, the coach, the, the mindset, you know, shifter. What helps? What's that, that trigger for, for women to get it, right? To mm-hmm. start to overcome, to begin that healing process that needs to happen first that you experience? Um, I think what does help is sharing my own experience. You know, I think um, some people don't feel comfortable going into a place where they can't connect with the person talking to them. And I think... Um, what I get a lot is people right off right off the bat not thinking that I've been through something. You know, like they just... Like your life's perfect. It's together, and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, and then I start talking and they're like, oh, wait, you went through that? Or you, like, oh my God, you know? So it's like, yeah, like life is hard, but you can like change that and I'm willing to help you. Like, what do you want to do? One thing I talk about a lot with women is accountability for our next steps because I think... Um, you know, with domestic violence, when there's so much emphasis on victimhood, you know, it's hard for people to see themselves out of that. It's just kind of like, 
I went through this horrible thing, but I really, I really don't know what to step into. And oh, this feels so bad. This feel, and it does. And I know that feeling. But I want them to also feel like you can step out of that, though. Like, get up, let's go. You know, like that's it. Not doing this anymore. Let's let's go. And it's still going to be hard. You know, I let them know that like I still go through. You know, I have dreams with my abuser. This is years later. Yeah. You know, certain things don't go away. Trauma is trauma. Absolutely. Um, you know, things that trigger you, they they trigger you, you know, but we have the ability to use coping skills to change how we react to those things, right? It's not about what happens, right? It's about how you react exactly. to it. Exactly. It's about exactly. how you show up. Mm-hmm. No, that's, it's so important. What do you find that you're forming in terms of a community around that? Because as, as obviously as you know, 10 years from this and you met people and someone's reaching out and, mm-hmm. and pouring into you, you're pouring into people. What have you noticed as far as the community being built around that? Um, I've noticed that, I don't know, I feel like there's a different sense of hope, you know what I mean? Um, with the people that actually see that there are resources, you know, when they see that there are resources, it's like, ah, you know, and I've even had older women tell me like we didn't you know there was nothing like this when we were coming up there was nothing and it's like yeah you know but women were still going through it though yeah you know it was a real thing back then probably 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 worse so yeah because no one talked about it it wasn't out there and it was like really you know stigmatized to like leave your husband so people were staying all the time you know um so I get to I get to see how like influential you know different programs are and what we do and just how you can start something from nothing. You don't have to be part of some big organization. You don't have to be part of some nonprofit with your friend. Like you can literally just talk on your platform and just opening that window where you're like showing somebody like, I went through this too, or you know, this is important to me. Somebody's gonna write to you. Somebody's gonna say something like, dang, I went through this too, or I'm going through this right now. It's like, we all have the ability to talk about it. You know what I mean? For and sure. when you talk about it, somebody feels comfortable enough to tell you what it is they went through and how they want, you know, to change it. So I've got I've got to see like how resilient people are and like if they really want to get out, you know, the mess, they will. Yeah, no, it's it's also true and and you're right, you know, the the making that available to others. Your story mm-hmm. is an invitation mm-hmm. to create a dialogue, to start a relationship. And mm-hmm. most people think, and, and, I, and I don't know, again, all I know is my experience, so I can tell you, hey, this is what it's like to be Latino, but it's, it's, it's I'm sure a lot of cultures, but this idea of needing to be perfect or, you know, I can't start something until I have this thing or money or whatever me. for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it for you that just was like, Enough is enough. I got to do this. I, I think seeing a response. You, you know, I, I was in my head about like, I'm not going to, like, nobody's going to care. Especially if I right. don't do it right. If I don't do it this way. Negative if I don't self-talk. do it that way. But it's like, people, there are so many people who are like hurting. You know what I mean? Who need to hear certain things. Or need to know that like, somebody's listening. Or somebody. Alone. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't even... It, doesn't even matter doesn't need to be perfect doesn't need to you know you don't need the money and all this like just help you know there's been times I've been at home you know um before having like an actual day job where I was struggling for money and I'm looking up resources on my phone even not even a laptop on my phone for somebody in Haiti wow who reached out 
Wow. So it's like you, you can help from your house. Is, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Good for you. And one of the things that you had mentioned that was really important to you was just to, and as you brought up and kind of alluded to, was a lot of women, a lot of people don't know about the resources available to them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you are working to change is even just to bring awareness to mm-hmm. some of those organizations. Like, what is it for you that when, is, is there a go-to, like when, especially for if it's a specific thing like, you know, domestic violence, whether it be this, that, or the other, do you have specific organizations that you always refer to? Well, I mean, the DV, the Illinois DV hotline is very helpful. Um, I call them often. Really? Just, you know, it depends on the situation, on the person. Um, but if it's for a resource in Illinois that they need, I call them often and just say, like, they act like a 311, but for DV, you know? So um, they'll let you know if there's a space available in a shelter for somebody. If, you know, and if you don't want to leave, you can still call them. I think people have this um, misconception that the DV hotline is for like, I'm ready to go. No, you can still be in this situation and just need somebody to talk to. So I refer them to the DV hotline all the time. Um, What a difficult position to be in, though. I mean, to know that someone's facing abuse. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, that's that's heavy. And that's what you're saying, too, also that, you know, as far as with your kids, they're very involved with you. But there are some things that are pretty heavy and that, mm-hmm. you know, that you exclude them from. How do you how do you manage all that being a mom on top of this? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I definitely give my kids props because they're great kids. And I know everybody says that about their kids, but they're really, you know, they're really sweet um, and very you know, they're well behaved. They're they kind of understand at the age they're at, you know, I'm not going to say it's always been like that because, you know, when they were like five and and four, ooh, yeah, it was hard. But, you know, now that they're older, they're kind of more like I can sit down and, you know, chill out. I don't have to, you know, and they do listen a lot of the times to what I'm talking about. Um, if I have Zooms at home or something that have to do with what I work with, um, sometimes they listen. They'll ask me questions afterwards and stuff like that. So they're very interested um, and I think because I've been doing it pretty much the span of their life, um, you know, my daughter's very like into it and like, you know, well, what do you have to do today? And, you know, what's going on with this? And like, she'll ask questions. So um, I've always been really honest with my kids. Um, I've never spoken to them like babies. Sure. I always, you know, speak to them like I would anybody else. Um, and they get it, like, they get what I'm doing. Um, maybe not the full extent <laughs> or of what I'm trying to do, but they, they get it, you know, and they're like, uh, that's cool. You know, that's awesome. yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. So Good. Now, as far as the vision, mm-hmm. what's the vision for you and everything you're doing? I mean, my dream would be to open a shelter one day, you know, that would be my dream. Um, not sure how easy that would be, but, you know, nothing's easy. Nothing so. worth doing is easy. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I think I think I just want to reach as far as possible, you know, as far as helping people and maybe get some things to change as far as, like, in the city, as far as resources, you know. Um, I don't know. There needs to be a way to find more space for people Absolutely. who are trying to get away, you know. Um, I feel like that's something I run into all the time where it's like somebody's coming to you for shelter and it's like, what do I tell somebody when like I just called for somebody else and there's nothing available. Right. So um, the good thing is that, you know, a bill got passed not that long ago and like 50, what was it, $52 million going to DV services. 
In so, Illinois? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I think that's going to happen next year uh, where they start, like, distributing, distributing it. Yeah. So we'll see. Like, we'll see. That's, it would be a great help, though. Absolutely. But I think that it will come easy to you to accomplish these things. I think it's it's written in the stars. You know, you're really, mm-hmm. um, you can tell you're very passionate about it and, and helping people. So, you know, on that note, if, if you're out there listening and you are in a tough situation, right, a domestic violence situation or otherwise that, uh, you can always reach out to Melanie and I'm sure she would be uh, excited to help in any way she could, or at least point you in that direction. And for sure. On the other note, though, if uh, on the other hand, rather, if if you're someone not in that situation but would like to help um, in any way, right, whether it be your time, financial contributions, please reach out to her, and you can do so either which way uh, through the form that she'll get directly in her email inbox. But you know, Melanie, just thank you so much for not only sharing your story and you know, but being you, doing doing what you do and helping others in the way that you do is. Is a, is a blessing to, to thank us all. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for doing what you do because, I mean, you're amplifying the voices, right? And I think that's important. I think a lot of people don't know what's out there and you're helping amplify that. So I appreciate that. 